Good afternoon and thank you once again for joining me. Julian Campbell here with Business, The Law and You and we've got another interesting show lined up for you this week. A bit later in the program we'll have a look at one of our Harvard Business Review tips. This particular one is coach employees to be more creative. We're also having our discussion with uh, Christina who's fresh back from a conference in Madrid inspiring women in the digital age so we can have a chat with her about that. But right now we're going to have a chat with Ian McDougall, who is a digital business advisor, and we're going to talk about some digital solutions in your business. Good afternoon, Ian. Good afternoon, Julian. Thank you for having me. Thank you for joining us. So, so I suppose the first question is most businesses understand that a website is a great way to communicate with potential customers, but is this channel being used enough? Yeah, that's right. And I guess business communication has really evolved from what it was in the past. It's not just phone calls and handshakes. And a websites are really a, a big part of that. So it's fairly well known, I guess. The recent Telstra Small Business Intelligence report tells us that about 50% of small businesses have websites. Another interesting statistic is that 62% of customers will stop considering a small business if they don't have any information available online. So whether that's a website or Facebook or Instagram, you really need to get your message out there. It's really important, and regardless of industry, not having a website is potentially cutting access to your target market in half. So, so we know that having a website is important, but what should a business website focus on? Well, this is a really important question, and I guess it's important to remember that not one size fits all. So the focus varies depending on the type of business and the desired goals. So the different focuses could be information sharing, it could be a product or service focus, it could be an e-commerce site where you're directly selling products or services, or it could be a, an information forum or portal which really encourages interaction and engagement with people. So a, a good way to think about what your website should do is to think about the conversations that you have with your customers or clients. So for example, do they want work samples? Do they want a, a quote or access to pricing for various things? Do they want references from other customers of yours? Or do they want some professional advice or information about a particular topic? So if you can understand what it is your customers want, then you can help decide what your website should be doing. And I guess regardless of the focus, there are some commonalities though. So Really what you want to do is engage with your customer or your potential customer and tell a story and, and market who you are and, and what it is you do and, and what you offer. It's important to remember, I guess, that if someone has gone to the trouble of searching for something and then they've found your website, you really have to engage them. So a website visit from a customer or a potential customer is an opportunity to sell and inform. And as I understand, we've only got seven seconds to do that. What, what, other methods, <laughs> what other methods of communication are available to businesses? Yeah, well, it's quite a range these days. So I guess uh, an electronic mailing list is one good way to communicate digitally. You can also use various uh, social media platforms such as Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, Pinterest, and, and there's a list as long as my own. Um, Facebook Messenger is actually becoming quite popular because it offers a, a very personal way of contacting a customer or potential customer. And there's also live chat on the website. And you can even use chatbots to simulate a, a conversation. And it's interesting that 
yeah, different people prefer different things, but in general, about 70% of customers actually prefer email as their main form of communication with businesses, and only about 15 to 16% prefer a phone call. So that's an important lesson, and it's one that I've seen in previous businesses that I've dealt with. There was one that had a, a really high-performing high uh, website, and they had a, a contact form that was receiving between five and ten submissions a day, but only one to two phone calls a day. And that, that's interesting to know, but really it was annoying because a lot of the questions could have been answered more easily in person, but if we didn't have the form on the website, then we wouldn't have had any conversation at all. So you really need to think about how the, the customers and potential customers want to communicate and then invest your time and money accordingly. So make sure you're spending your efforts in the areas that your customers really want to engage with you. So, so how do you keep track of all your communication? And is it worth investing in software to help with this process? Yeah, it's really important. Um, you know, once you reach a certain size, there's going to be a lot of communication and you don't want things to slip through the cracks, basically. So it's definitely worth investing, whether that's money or whether that's time. It's definitely worth investing in software to, to help you manage that process. There's various tools you can use. You can use the Microsoft Office Suite. There's a very simple way to get started. There's other variations of that, of course. Um, using a service like MailChimp can help you send out emails to people and keep them informed of specials or new pieces of information that are relevant. You can use a customer relationship management software, and that really helps you track all of the interactions with a customer or a potential customer, whether that's phone or web-driven or email, whatever it is. Really, a system like that can help you stop things um, slipping through the cracks. Because every time you have a, a communication piece with a customer, there is an opportunity to make a mistake or to, to let it slip, whether that's the initial interaction or a response to an inquiry or a follow-up in the future. Really having a, a system that can help you track all of those interactions is really worthwhile. And when you think about something as simple as selling a product to someone, you can actually use software to introduce automation into the process. So at the very basic level, you know, you might have a yellow pages ad, the customer will have to find you somehow, give you a call, you'll write down what they want and then send out the product, take the product, take their payment details and so on. You can take that a bit further with you know, a basic website with some pictures and information about the various products, do some search engine optimization to make sure people are finding you, give them a phone call that they can a phone number that they can click on to call, um, possibly a contact form. But you can go even further and, and run that entire process with the customer through automation. So it could be that you have a, a Google ad for a specific product. That ad then links to a specific landing page that you've developed um, that provides information and an opportunity to buy the website. Or the landing page can then collect the data. Um, it can connect into an inventory and dispatch system send an automatic response email. It can also create an entry in your CRM automatically, set a follow-up task, um, to send a product, follow-up email, whatever it is, um, so on and so forth. And it, it does, it can sound a bit complex, but really, if you get the best out of the digital opportunities and, and do it well, then it, you can make that whole process essentially hands-off. So you as the business owner and operator, you can be out the back working in the shop or doing whatever it is you're doing, and the entire sales pathway can actually take care of itself. And if you remember earlier the statistics that 62% of customers aren't going to consider you if you don't have a presence, 
it's really important to think about how you can do that. And there's going to be different solutions for different sized businesses, of course, but just thinking about it and, and making the first step is a, a good way to start. So with, a, with this sounding complex, how much is it going to cost? Yeah, well, there's, there's various options. There's lots and lots of different pieces of software out there. Um, they don't all cost a lot. Some have some are free. Um, some, you know, you have to pay a bit more for extra features. Really, the main cost is going to be time. So finding the different options and, and trialling them um, and then seeing if they work. So it, it will cost something, but I think it's worthwhile thinking about it. So with all these options available to me as a business person, how can I decide what to use? Yeah, that's right. There are lots of options. So I think the key requirement is to try and figure out which of the options are suitable to you and also trying to understand which questions should I be asking and which problems should I be solving. So you can't always solve every problem in business, but it's important to figure out which ones are the most have the most worth, I guess, and try and tackle those. So you can do some research, whether that's through the internet, through your peer groups, um, industry advisory bodies or different networking organisations, that sort of thing. And if you do have a, a trusted advisor, someone who is, I guess, unbiased and experienced in the area, um, and someone who's not trying to just sell you their own solution, um, that would be a, a good way to go. So part of this research, you've got a website we can have a look at? Absolutely. So if you can go to www.huntervalleyhub.com.au, probably be some useful information on there about this entire thing for you. Great. Well, thanks very much for your time, Ian. We'll have a chat with you another time. Thank you, Julian. My pleasure. Thank you. Bye-bye. Bye. Ian McDougall there, Digital Business Advisor, with some basic ideas of digital solutions time to catch up with christina who's tripped back from madrid good afternoon christina good afternoon julian how are you and now you're sitting in another conference i believe a workshop uh yeah well we've actually started ripley today so <laughs> we've run it we're running oh, okay. an innovation program okay so it was an inspiring conference uh, inspiring women in the digital age conference yeah it was and it was it was um it was quite remarkable uh there were stats that came out of the of the experience that I had no idea about, um, Julian. And I know that, that we have, we're struggling with this problem of inequality um, with women on boards, women women on startups, women in parliament. Um, women, you know, you name it, wherever it is. But the conference specifically was was dealing with the digital era, de dealing with women um, in startups, and dealing with women on boards. So what I can say to you is one of the stats that I found quite shocking, uh, even in advanced countries, so I would consider um, Germany to be an advanced country. Uh, it leads the way in, in a lot of, you know, industry leading the EU, etc. But even in Germany, they are going for 30% women on board by the year 2020. So, mm. And that's high. So compared to a lot of other countries around the world, 30% is really high. Mm -hmm. There's a, um, a lady that I met by the name of Isabella Sayer who has um, started up an organisation and the sole purpose of that organisation is to connect women. So it's women networking with women, but it's not just a, it's not kind of come along, have a couple of drinks, let's hear a guest speaker. It's actually women in a network where they can support and recommend each other. The other aspect to this, to this business that she has is that um, what they do is they connect women who are ready to sit on boards and ready to be leaders within organisations with the organisations that are looking for leaders, not just women leaders, but they connect them with the boards that they make a connection between
between the women leaders and the board. Mm. And, you know, we often hear the argument, people should be selected on merit, not on gender. And that's absolutely true. And like, I'm a total advocate for selecting on merit when you merit. get into yeah. an interview situation. But when you think about it, women are 50% of the population. Mm. There are people that are capable of leading and there are people that are incapable of leading. There are people that are capable of leading that are women. There are people incapable that are women. There are people capable that are male. There are people that are incapable that are male. Theoretically, if we're looking at a 50-50 population, the stats around all the other comparisons should be 50-50 as well. Yeah, and there was an interesting uh, statistic you had from China, wasn't it? Yes. So China um, is actually leaps and bounds ahead of everybody else and they're looking at um, increasing, well they've actually got an increased number of startups that are supporting, that are supported um, that have a woman on them. Before I get to China, the United States um, put out some stats that actually said if there is a woman founder or co-founder, they are 63% more likely to get venture capital investment. Oh. Now there's a whole lot of reasons that came past that, but that was like an accidental stat that they found when they were looking at startups and venture capitalists and what the, what the organisations were like and who was getting funded. So that's, a, that's quite a staggering percentage of people. If there was a woman on, um, as a co-founder or a founder, they were getting 63% more likelihood of getting some venture capital interest in the organisation. Mm. And we can see that, you know, even in Australia, some of the, some of the startups that are getting up there are women. And we talked a couple of weeks ago, I think, about Jessica Kant, who's a, who's a hunter, um, young hunter woman, who has been selected to go or launch have actually invested $100,000 in her app and she's been granted a five-month scholarship to go to San Francisco to develop the Crave app that was born here. She mm. has an amazingly dogged determination, as does another local um, beautiful soul, Jennifer Holland, who's got throat scope. Yeah. So she's won numerous awards overseas as a woman, um, as a female entrepreneur. The, one of the most staggering facts and one of the staggering comments I found was um, by a lady named Christina, who is, which was quite bizarre. I think I met about four. I think I had four Christinas, um, <laughs> and I'm not very used to hearing my own name back at me. But um, Christina, who works at Fujitsu, so she's high up in innovation in Fujitsu. And in Japan, they are really proud of the fact that they have 10% women on boards. And, you, and I kind of go 10%, and they're really proud of it. That for them measures a whole huge cultural shift. Mm. And if 10% is a cultural shift. Boy, do we need shaking things up around boards, around the investment in startups, you know, around the whole gender equality issue. And like I said, I'm not, I'm not looking at gender equality um, being being an instrumental factor over merit. But if you consider the stats on the population, there are equally meritable mm. females as there are males that you mm. see on these positions. And we're starting. I know in our local area, we're starting to find more and more women um, that are coming onto boards. But China. It's 49%, which is quite a remarkable figure. And China is very much behind their female startups as well. They're investing in female startups. They're investing in the females in the population because, let's face it, also, they're about to go through a bit of a population crisis because they've had the one child um, policy for so long and that's been lifted now. But they've got one young person looking after two elderly people. So their stats on working, not working, are about to become way out of balance. Um, so there's no way that they could actually go into a gender inequality. But China are doing quite remarkable things. Mm. China are actually also taking over, they're about to take over, I think, in the whole innovation um, uh, arena because yeah. they're investing more in startups than any other 
country around the world at the moment. Great. Well, thanks very much for your time. We'll have a chat with you again next week. Look forward to it, Julian. Talk to you then. Thank you. Bye-bye. Bye. Christina there excited about her trip back from Madrid and uh, certainly there's some interesting statistics around the world, isn't there? Time for one of our Harvard Business Review tips. This particular one is coach employees to be more creative. While creativity is not 100% malleable, personality does set limits. It can still be nurtured through deliberate interventions, especially over a long period of time. If you're trying to teach someone to be more creative, give lots of feedback. This is essential in helping person uh, close the gap between their confidence and their competence. Those who don't get enough feedback or ignore it only end up being creative in their own minds. You can also provide training and creative thinking. For example, teaching people to dete detect uh, novel ideas, take on challenging tasks, retrieve knowledge outside their expertise, or combine unrelated ideas can also boost creativity. But one of the most effective methods for unleashing creative potential is simply assigning people to, to, to tasks that they love. If you can increase someone's motivation, particularly intrinsic motiv motivation, um, then you likely create uh, their in increase their creative performance. Will also likely increase. So some fantastic ideas there from a little book called "You Can Teach Someone to Be More Creative." Well, thank you for being with me for the last half hour. I hope you've enjoyed the program. In a moment, Sarah Farley Adams will be back with you with more of your easy listening favourites. Next week, we're going to talk with uh, Ricky Williams from uh, the, uh, a family business expert, and have some a minute on innovation with Christina and more business and legal news and views that may affect your business. I'd love your company again for Business, the Law and You at the same time next week. Till then, have an exciting and prosperous week. And as Audrey Hepburn once said, nothing is impossible. The word itself says, I'm possible.